Amen. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for this day and for your blessings. And we just ask, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way in all of our Sunday school classes today. And let your will be accomplished in this services today, Lord. Reach into our hearts. Help us, O oh God, to grow in you and to learn of you. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> we give honor to Bishop today. and He's not able to be here this morning. So I've been asked to cover the class this morning. And so um, I'm glad to do that. And we are through with fireworks. Amen. We had a successful uh, year this year in fireworks. I guess you can say we had a blast. Amen. And uh, we had a lot of fun, and it's a lot of work, but it's uh, one of the best fundraisers that we do for the church, and we had 12 um, tents from here to Tampa, across the middle of the state, and um, mostly um, manned by volunteers, and so we're just thankful for all those that participated. It was a very successful year. And um, everybody stayed safe. You never know these days, do you? We live in an upside-down world, don't we? It is crazy. And I was thinking this morning, stay in the church. Amen. Stay in the church. <laughs> Let me just say that again. Stay in the church. This is not a time to be messing around with your salvation. Amen. Um, <clears throat> If you can't be a believer in the days that we are living in, then there's something wrong with your spiritual feelers because we are seeing prophecy uh, unfolding right before our eyes. The Middle East is amazing things are happening over there, which are prophecies that are unfolding. And so we are living in these ending times. So I just repeat it once again, stay in the church. Hallelujah. Stay in the church. Pray for our nation. Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 16. I'm continuing my little theme that I've been following in having a true heart. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to continue on with that. But I've been using this over for about the last four times that I've taught. I've used this Hebrews chapter 10 16 as a main portion of scripture, um, key verses, if you will, for my lesson. So verse 16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. Everybody say hearts. It's still a heart issue, folks. It's what's in the heart. And in their minds will I write them. Their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. That ought to make us all get up, shout, and dance right there. But we've heard it so many times we don't. But that is so powerful to realize that he's not remembering our sins. Neither will he remember our iniquities when we get them under the blood. Hallelujah. They are forgotten by God. Now where there is remission of these, there is no more offering for sin. Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice for our sins. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new 
and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That's the veil in the temple. The veil would separate everybody else from the presence of God. When Jesus said it is finished, the veil was what? Written two parts, written twain, signifying that we can all now come boldly into the presence of God. Powerful, powerful thing that we have there. We have a high priest over the house of God. Verse 22. So let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Our conscience is our moral awareness. We have to be aware of where we are and who we are. Amen? And so as we look into this portion of scriptures, there's been three major things that I've been trying to stress and to get across to everyone through this. And the first thing is, is that we have this great invitation. Amen? We are invited into God's presence. He wants us to come. That's, a, that's such a blessing. That's such a powerful thing for us to be have the invitation to come into the, into the presence of the creator of the universe. Hallelujah. That's why we can say this is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't stop me from going to God. The government can't stop me from going to God. Nobody can stop me from coming into the presence of Almighty God. Amen. It is, a, it is an invitation given by God. And he's saying to each and every one of us as individuals, come into my presence. Oh, hallelujah. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through the man of God. We can come boldly into the presence of almighty God. Hallelujah. On ourselves, by ourselves. Amen. And so we have this great invitation. And he says, the second thing is, come with confidence. We are sinners, aren't we? We fail God daily. We live with these consciences. And like I said, the conscience meant our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience. Our moral awareness can be awakened if we come to God with a true heart. He's saying, come to me with confidence. Not only do we have this great invitation to come before the creator that has the ability. He says, I'm going to tell you who you need to fear. Don't fear a man that can kill you. But you better, you better fear him that after you're dead can cast your soul into hell. That's what God said. He says, I have that ability. That's who you need to fear if we're going to fear anybody. But in this great invitation, he says, come with confidence. Even though you're sinful, even though we are full of iniquity and bound with bitterness and all these other things, he's saying, I want you to come to me. Hallelujah. I want you to come into the, my presence. He says, I will love you. I will have mercy on you. I, I can help you. Amen. But the third thing that we must do, we come, we're invited, and we can come with this confidence. But he is serious about coming to him with a true heart. In other words, he don't like fake. He don't like nothing false. And the underlying theme here is hypocrisy, where the gets its name from the actor on the stage. 
was the hypocrite, the one that put on a different face and who had played the part of somebody to be seen by an audience. Now, God doesn't want us to play that part in our spiritual lives. Amen? He says, when you come to me, I want you to know there's mercy and grace. I want you to know you're invited into this great throne room of mine. But he says, when you come, come with trueness, come with honesty. Amen? Be real, be genuine. It means to be authentic, sincere, not deceitful. It means not to be unaware. The conscience is our moral awareness. We need to be aware of who we are, where we are in our walk with God. Amen? And when we come before him, it's, it's silly to think that, you know, we would try to play the hypocrite, try to be something that we're not, or trying to hide something that we are. That's silliness when we think about coming before God that way to a God that knows all things, right? Now, we can fool our friends, we can fool our spouse, we can fool our pastor, amen? But we cannot fool God. And that's what he constantly was trying to tell them. You read that Sermon on the Mount, and I forget which chapter it is in Matthew, uh, I think it's 27, but man, he nails it home on this hypocrisy. He calls them hypocrites, whited sepulchers, full of dead men's bones. You're clean on the outside, but inward there's, you're, there's nothing but extortion and lying. You're thieves. He really hit home to the fact that don't come into my presence with pretense. That's not the religion I'm bringing. He says, I'm bringing to you a new way into this throne room, a way that you can come clean before me. But all he's asking for us to do is to come before him aware of who we are and what we are in Christ. Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 28, he makes that invitation. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor. That word labor gives the connotation that it's, it's life is hard, right? The, the old saying, life is hard and then you die. That's what life is. It's hard. All right, we're in this flesh, and we battle this flesh, and it doesn't matter whether you're in the church or out of the church, you're going to have problems and situations in your life. Amen? Jesus even said it. While you're in the world, you're going to what? You're going to have tribulations. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we have a hope within us that lies beyond this world. That's why we can, when people say, how are you? You can say, I'm blessed. I'm better than what I deserve to be. Hallelujah. Because God's mercy and God's hope is giving me a hope for a better time. We're just pilgrims here. We're just ambassadors here for a short time. We're from another country. Hallelujah. We're going to a land, hallelujah, where there's not going to be any more heartache, no more pain, no more suffering. Amen. So that gives us the reason to rejoice, amen? So why would we try to hide anything while we're here for this short time? <clears throat> I'm fastly approaching the age of 60, and I'm starting to feel it in my body, and I can't do the things I thought I 
once used to be able to do. You know, your mind says you can and your body says, what are you thinking? And uh, so you realize, and I'm looking out, out here at some people that are probably older than that. Amen. And uh, we realize that time is short. It's a vapor. So let's be true. Let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's be transparent and see what God will do. He says, come unto me, you're, you that are working, you're laboring in this life, and you're heavy laden. Have you ever felt like the burden was a little bit more than you could bear? Thank God for it. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. I think it was Brother Sims that preached uh, when he was here a few uh, Wednesday nights ago that talked about how our praise really is thanking God for the process. And I thought that's really true. We come into his presence and we say, thank you, Lord, that I'm back in the house of God again. <laughs> thank you that I made it through another week. Thank you, Lord, that you're still with me, that I'm still moving on. Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus, for the journey and for the process that you're taking me through. But this laboring and this heavy laden that's laid upon you, he said, I want you to come to me with it. I want you to come to me. Bring it to me. He says, and I will give you rest. Isn't it strange how it kind of makes us our, our sins and our faults and our problems and we talked about this, I think, in one of the earlier lessons. But like Adam and Eve, you know, it made them hide from the presence of God. They wanted to hide from God's presence. And I guess that's the natural reaction, right? Especially when we've, we've made a mistake and especially when you know you shouldn't do it and you've, you've faltered and we have, we have insecurities and fears we know we shouldn't have and so we feel guilty but Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me. Come. I will give you rest. I will help you in your situation. He says, take my yoke upon you. And that yoke is, you know, we can see the picture of two oxen that are yoked together, you know, to plow a field. And it, it's representative of what? Work. It's representative of servanthood, as a matter of fact. And being a slave to something. He said, take my yoke. You are going to serve something. You're going to either serve God or you're going to serve this world and the devil. Amen. But he said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. Hallelujah. Do you know what it's like to be able to lay your head down on the pillow at night? And be at peace with your maker? I don't care how beaten up and how tired your physical body is. There's just something about the peace of God. The Bible says it passes all understanding. Hallelujah. The peace that passes all understanding. He says, I want to come to you. I want to help you, he says. I want to put my yoke upon you and, and learn of me. He says, come. You know, the trials and the stresses of life are normal. And as a matter of fact, have you ever been in situations, and I know I've said this a lot of times, and, and like I said before, you know, I'm kind of a whiner, kind of wimpy, and my wife always says, you know, my name should have been called William, William the whiner. So, uh, but there's times, you know, 
under the heavy burden it's just say, I give up. You know, I give up. And my wife says, no, you don't. You don't give up. You know, stop lying. You're not giving up, you know. But actually, God, I think, is up there saying, yes, <laughs> I've got him where I want him. I give up. There's nowhere else I can turn but to God. There's nothing I can do with this situation but to give it to you. And God's saying, finally, I've got his attention. So don't fret over the problems and the situations and the trials and, and all the things that come into our lives. We ought to rejoice in them because it's a reminder that we are nothing without the power of God in our lives. Hallelujah. We surrender unto him and that's exactly where he wants us to be. Not my will, but oh God, thy will. I've tried it all. God, I've tried to dig myself out of this mess. I've tried to do it on my own. It's just not working. God's saying, come unto me. Bring your heavy load. Bring that burden. I'm going to give you rest. Don't you understand? I'm going to help you. God's way is the best way, isn't it? Yes, it is. But why do we always insist on doing it our way first? And then we finally give it up to the, over to the Lord. But during those heavy trials is where we can surrender unto Almighty God and say, God, I'm giving it to you. You know, it's a false thinking that, and I've heard it so many times, you know, well, when I stop drinking, I'm going to start coming to church. Or when I get my life straightened out, I'm going to stop, start coming to church. You know, this altar is a place where we get the help to stop those things. This altar is the place, the presence of God is the place we get the help to overcome. Amen. And we don't have to come to God. You don't have to get your life cleaned up before you come to God. Amen? But we still think that we have to. We can't get that through our heads. We still, you know, we, we feel this guilt. But Jesus is saying, I want to help you. I love you. Mercy and grace. He says, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Hallelujah. It's a process that God is taking us through. God is merciful. He's gentle. And God is humble. Think about that. The Bible says that God is humble. Now, if anybody has the right to be proud, it's God, right? Because he can strut the stuff and he can back up the stuff, right? He can back it up. Now, we, when we think we're something, that's kind of probably a laughter to him. Amen. Just this puny little thing in the universe. The earth itself is just a pin dot, uh, dot in the whole face of the whole universe. And then we're even smaller than that. And we strut around like we think that we are somebody. Amen. But we are nothing without God. His yoke is easy. We need to turn it over to the Lord. Romans, excuse me, Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Romans 6 and verse 12 <clears throat> says, Let not sin therefore reign. Don't let it rule in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust of thereof. Neither yield, everybody say yield, yield. ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves, everybody say yield, yield. unto God. 
He's saying when temptations come your way, don't yield to those temptations. Yield to me. Come to me. Hallelujah. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So this great mercy and this great grace that's been given to us does not give us the license to sin. But when we sin and when problems and trials come into our lives and we have these temptations and lusts that we fight against, I think I said this last time, but I want you to know that sin is never going to give up. The devil is never going to give up. He goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You can be on the mountaintop one day and I want you to know when you wake up in the morning, the devil's going to be right there. If anybody's persuaded or persistent, it's the devil. We should be so persistent, amen, in our walk with God. Because he's going to be there. The temptations are going to be there. Every day you're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to yield myself. I'm going to bring this heavy load to God. I'm going to yield unto him and allow him to have his way in my life. And it's a constant battle. In verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Hallelujah. Mark that in your Bible. Underline it. When you're in trouble, when you're fighting temptations, you go to this verse and say, God, you said right here in this Romans chapter 6, verse 14, that sin shall not have dominion over me. I'm standing upon the word of God. Do you pray the word of God like that? You need to remind God of his word. Because he's faithful and he's true and he's just and he'll stand behind his word. Hallelujah. Sin does not, cannot have dominion over us. It's only what we yield to it. Come on now. Come on now. Now we have things where in our lives where it's a repetition and we think that we have no control over it. And it's like I, I just can't get the victory over it. You got to come to God. You got to keep coming to him. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with God. You got to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't, I'm not able to do this, Lord. And I, I'm coming to you, but you got to come to Him with a true heart. The Word says, Sin shall not have dominion over you. Hallelujah. We need to realize that we are free from sin under the grace of God. Hallelujah. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? But under grace, he says it here, God forbid. Verse 16. Know ye not that whom you yield yourselves. There's that word again. Yield yourselves, servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. And like I said, this is an everyday thing. Every morning you wake up. And all throughout the day, you're going to have to continually be mindful. Be aware. Amen. That you have to yield yourselves as servants to God. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have from the heart. But you have obeyed from the heart. That form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Aren't you thankful for the deliverance of God? I've been in church for uh, over 35 years now, and I can remember where he had brought me from. He brought me from a world of sin. And so have I been perfect? 
Never made mistakes all that time? No. It's a constant, constant battle. But the mercies of God are never ending. Amen. But thank be to God that we used to be servants of sin. And we had nothing that we can do about it. But now we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has been delivered unto you. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. So it's to whoever you want to yield yourself to, you make that decision. And like I said, the battle is strong, the battle is fierce, the battle is hard, amen? But God is wanting you to know, he says, I want you to come with your labor, I want you to come with your heavy laden, I want you to come with that load that you're bearing, and I want you to bring it to me. Come with confidence that I am going to be able to help you and deliver you. Hallelujah. And he will. Verse 23 of that same chapter, it says, For the wages of sin is death. See how these all these words relate to labor and work and everything. Sin is a, is a job, right? And, it, and it's Payment is death. It will work you over. We think we're having a good time, but somewhere along the line, all of a sudden you wake up and you have been worked over. And you are exhausted. And you are heavy laden. And you have nowhere to go and nothing to do. But that's where God wants you to be because then you turn to Him. Because He says, my burden is light. Look at this. He says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, hallelujah, it's a gift of God, hallelujah, you don't have to work for this, you just turn it over to him and let him do the work, amen, the gift of God is eternal life, praise God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so it says you have obeyed this doctrine from the heart, all right, not just lip service, that's what he's trying to say to these Pharisees. You know, you're going through the motion. You've got a ceremony. But you're a bunch of hypocrites because inside you're full of dead men's bones. You're evil inside. He says, I don't want that. I want you to be real and, and obey from the heart. The heart is something that you have thought about. You've contemplated upon it. You think about it. Amen. And so it's not just a ritual. And he says you've, you've obeyed from the heart. That form of doctrine. Folks, I want you to understand doctrine is still important. I said doctrine is still important. What you have heard. The word of God. Hallelujah. Doctrine. Baptism. Repentance. Baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Spirit is just the beginning of the doctrine. Amen. There's a lot of doctrine, but those are the three main things. Repentance being baptized in his name, and being filled with his spirit. But you have to have a true heart. With all of that, it doesn't matter. I want us to look in Acts chapter number 8. Interesting story here. I want to take the time to, to read this. But this is when, as you're turning to Acts chapter 8, this is when Paul is really um, on his high horse, if you will, <laughs> about persecuting the church. Right before God knocks him off his high horse. And so he's persecuting the church. The church is scattering in all different areas. And you can't do anything against the church. Only for the church. 
All that did was spread the gospel further. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 5. Then Philip, he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now in verse 9, we're introduced to an individual, a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. In other words, he tricked them with magic. And they believed, and he made that he was some great man with the power of God. And they all believed it. They all had faith in him. They all regarded him highly, the Bible says. But in verse 12, something happens. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They got baptized, right? They heard the preaching of the word, and they got baptized. Verse 13, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and wondering, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So here Simon himself becomes a believer and he gets baptized. <clears throat> now, in verse 14, it says, When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. So they said, Okay, these people got baptized down there. We want you guys to go down there and help pray them through to the Holy Ghost. Verse 15. Who are, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now this has nothing to do with my message today, but we have to stop and say, just for our sakes, if you don't know this, but the Holy Spirit was not just something that once they were baptized just automatically received, right, without any evidence, can we all agree to that according to this scripture? Because they had been baptized, but how did they know they hadn't received the Holy Ghost? Because there was no sign of it. Does that make sense? They had no sign of it. So they sent Peter and John down there and said, hey, go pray with these people. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. In verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So Simon saw something, did he not? He saw them speaking in tongues. It doesn't say that here, but he saw something happen because, hey, I want that power. Right? So they were baptized. They sent John and Peter down there to pray with them so they could receive the Holy Ghost because he hadn't, they hadn't seen any evidence of it, but... The speaking in tongues we know from Acts chapter 2 is the evidence of speaking in tongues. Obviously, Simon saw something. He said when Simon saw that laying on the hands of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So we can assume that Simon's been baptized. It says that and also has received the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. In verse 19, saying, Give me this power that whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So that was just a sidebar to my message. It had nothing to do really with what I'm talking about. But I'm just trying to point out that there had to be some kind of evidence of this Holy Spirit. Correct? I'm just saying that because a lot of people say, well, I've, I've got the Holy Spirit. I just know it. I just feel it on the inside. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see that through this scripture that it had to be something visual, something uh, audio that they were trying to, that they did not see. Because when it happened, oh, I want that power. I want to be able to do that. So thou hast neither, so when he said that in verse 20, Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee. Because thou hast thought that the gift, everybody say gift. There it is again, the gift of God. You see how God uses his words to describe the Holy Spirit? It's a gift. See how he uses the words to describe sin? It's going to be labor, heavy laden. He said, but mine's a gift. I give you peace. Hallelujah. And so he says... Um, Verse 21, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right. And we're talking about having a heart that is right. He's telling Simon, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Verse 22, repent therefore of this wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. What I want to point out here is the fact that Simon was baptized in Jesus' name. And he's also filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's what they came down there to do. Get these people filled with the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, his heart was not right and what I'm just trying to say just because you're baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Spirit and it happened 20 years ago don't find comfort in that thinking that's the end of your salvation or your journey with God it isn't it's just the beginning it's doctrine it's necessary but through it all he's saying you know what your heart's not right we get our we get the Holy Spirit we get our sins omitted but the process begins. We still have to turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to have control and to be the Lord and master of our heart. Hallelujah. In other words, it's not just the formality of going through a ceremony. Amen. Even baptisms. Amen. Because we've baptized a lot of people over the years that are not here today. Amen. Why? Because their heart. It's the heart issue, folks. Amen. And so my thought is in, to us this morning is the fact that God forbid that we come to church and have something, an issue in our heart. Don't have a heart issue. Don't hide it. Don't play the hypocrite. Don't try to cover it up. Be true. Hallelujah. To be true to God. John 16, 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. 
Receiving the Holy Spirit's not the end of the story, it's the beginning. Yes, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's purpose is to guide us into all truth. Hallelujah. So when we come with a true heart, that's when, and I've said this repeatedly too, when we come with a true heart, an honest heart before God, that's when God can give us a pure heart, which is, means a clean heart. We have to come with honesty. We have to be pure. We have to be open to God. And when we are, that's when God can begin to work upon us and give us a pure heart. And the Bible says, if you have a pure heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. And he knows that we can't do it on ourselves, but when we come with that trueness of heart. 1 John chapter number 1, verse 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So here he's talking about if we say we're okay, I'm okay, I'm doing better than so-and-so. Remember, God doesn't grave it on a curve. Amen. You better be right with God. He said, I, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Deceive means to roam from truth. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. When we pray, play the hypocrite, we're being deceptive and we're roaming from truth. Does that make sense? He just wants us to be honest and to come to him. Hallelujah. Don't say that we have no sin. And in verse 9 it says, if we confess our sins, confessing just simply means acknowledging. I acknowledge it, God. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm not trying to push it under the, under the carpet. I'm coming to you. I'm confessing it. I'm acknowledging it. He says, if we confess or acknowledge our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins oh hallelujah can you say thank you Jesus aren't you thankful for the mercies of God he just wants us to come with a trueness sincerity acknowledge it and when he does he says I forgive you <laughs> I forgive you I love you come on I can help you keep going make that next step amen you're going to make it hallelujah so when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Matthew 23, 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. He says, you're trying to put on the show. You're trying to look good on the outside. But inside, you're full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees. He's talking about spiritual blindness. When we don't come to God with a true heart, we can become spiritually blind. You can believe a lie, the Bible says. And you can be damned. We've got to be so careful that we don't allow spiritual blindness to come it comes through hypocrisy and not being honest with the lord thou blind pharisees he said first clean that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also so he's saying you need to look clean and you need to look right on the outside but it comes from cleaning up the inside 
you clean up the inside, the outside's automatically going to take care of itself. Hallelujah. But we try to clean up the outside, but still have that full of extortion and excess on the inside. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Teaching. Everybody say teaching. This is what the grace of God does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It, it leads us. It guides us. It teaches us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope. Hallelujah. And the glorious appearing of our great God. And our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our blessed hope, folks. We should be looking for that. He's saying, lift up your eyes. Look for my coming. I'm coming back. That's the hope. This world is not our home. Too many of us are too attached to this world. Amen. We're too attached to the things of this world. And we're saying, don't come right yet, Lord. You know, maybe come tomorrow. I got a few things I got to straighten out. Get them straightened out today. Today is the day of salvation. Detach yourself from any worldly things that are holding you back from living for God. I don't care what it is. Amen. The main thing is that you live for God. You purify yourself. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back for a church. The Bible says that has made herself ready. Amen. If you're not careful, you can find all kinds of excuses you can find problems in the church. I want you to know that you can find new revelations if you're not careful. You've got to keep coming back to the main doctrine of it all, and that's baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've seen it so many times over the course of my walk with the Lord over the last 35 years in ministry, and seen it so many times where people have these tangents that they run off on, and Pretty soon they're way out there in left field and then all of a sudden they're not even living for God anymore because they get discouraged and what they thought, they, they found a problem in the church. Let me just tell you right up now, there's problems in the church. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now, this is not a perfect church. Let me tell you right now, if you scrutinize my life, you'll see a lot of things that probably are not right, amen, need to be helped or need to be straightened out in my life. We... The church is not perfect because it's made up of what? People. Hallelujah. So you can find any cause that you want to quit living for God. You can find any, you can get offended. You can find anything to get a reason to, to give up and to quit. But I'll tell you what, it's, we are not of those that turn back. But we are those that keep pushing forward and reaching for that promise. Hallelujah. Looking for the coming, that blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and our Savior. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 14 of Titus 2. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us. Hallelujah. From all iniquity. And purify unto himself. A peculiar people. Zealous of good works. He wants to cleanse us. Redeem us from iniquity. And purify. It's the same word used as cleanse. He wants to cleanse us. Amen. For himself, a peculiar people. Amen. Zealous of good work, of good works. 
So today, in today's worship service, you're going to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And then you'll be given the opportunity to come forward. So this represents coming into the presence of God. And I've been trying to talk about that for the last several times that I've been speaking. So I want to encourage each and every one of us here this morning to allow God to speak to our hearts through the preaching of the word this morning. And that may seem like a silly thing. I'm here. Well, I'm going to hear. Do you, you realize we can sit there and not hear the word of God? We can sit there and not receive the word of God? Jesus constantly said to them at that, when he was here, he said, you have ears to hear, but you don't hear. I mean, honestly asking God, Lord, speak to me. Show me what I need to say. And that's the power of the gospel. <laughs> one message can hit each and every one of us in a different way. And I've testified of this, and I'm hurrying to close, but I've testified of this before. When I first got into church and uh, the first message that I heard there in the Pentecostal church in Newark, Ohio. And man, I thought there were 500 people in that congregation and God was speaking right to me. He had my uh, zip code, as, as they say, you know. He was telling me, and he was and your time is up and this is your last chance. And I can't remember all the things, but I know I, I didn't have to be asked to go to the altar. I ran to the altar. Hallelujah. But I can remember, it's been several years later, and a buddy of mine said, hey, I got a, a, a tape of the, the uh, message that was preached the day you got the Holy Ghost. Oh, I said, oh, I want to hear that. I took it home. I started playing that. It was, a, it was a cassette tape recorder back then. That's many years ago. But I remember listening to that thing, and it was just like, it was just a normal message. I didn't really hear anything profound or prophetic into my life. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. When you come into the house of God and you have an ear to hear, God can speak to you. Whew, hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. You've got to be receptive unto it, amen? And so I encourage you to allow God to speak to your heart this morning, amen? That's all I'm asking, just say, God, I'm allowing you to speak to me. And the second thing is, when you come to this altar, confess, acknowledge Whatever it is that God's trying to speak to you about, acknowledge it. Amen? God bless you this morning. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in here this morning. We're going to have a great service today. <clears throat> Let's just pray that the Lord will be with us in this service. Amen? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we only want to come before you, oh God, with, with reality in our hearts, God. Help us to not have any pretense or hypocrisy in our lives. We want to be real and transparent. Speak to our hearts today, God. Speak deep within us, O oh God, and lead us and guide us. We look forward, O oh God, to your soon appearing and the glorious appearing, O oh God. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus, and we're nothing without your touch today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen.